Hey everybody, welcome to Monday Night Live in Lexington, you guys. My name is Katherine Kaufman and I'm a psychic medium here in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to my Every Monday Night Show. This is where we discover what and who we are in this journey called life. I hope you guys had a great holiday. And my notifications are driving me crazy over here. Let's do some shout outs. Hey to all you guys joining over here on Instagram. Special shout out to Melissa Bigley over here on Facebook. Of course, it's going to take everybody a few minutes to get their notifications and get logged in. So how was your guys' holiday? And did you get to spend it with your loved ones this year? So it's, you know, been a white Christmas here and a good birthday for me. Yesterday was my birthday. And uh, I, we really didn't do that much, did we, David? We did not. No, we just kind of hung out and waited for my brother to get here, who got here, thankfully, yesterday around 4 or 5. Hey to Arthea Morgan. Merry Christmas to you guys. Hey to Gabby. Yes, Gabby. Hol Gabby's holiday was good. So was Greg's. Uh, <laughs> good to see you. Here's David. We enjoyed the touch of each other's souls. <laughs> hey, Natasha and Terry over here on Instagram. Good to see you. Thank you, Greg. It was a good birthday. We didn't do much. Hey, to Yasmin. Good to see you. And Regina and Lisa. Awesome that you guys can join me tonight. And Joe, good to see you too. So I've got the... I uh, had a wonderful holiday weekend with family and friends. That was awesome. I decided to move the setup upstairs for the ghost story tonight in front of the library of CDs and books. And I have this, the spooky halo kind of going on here. So I was looking at, um, you know, like winter legends and winter uh, ghost stories. And... It seems that in Victorian times, they were really big on, uh, during Christmas time, telling winter legends and winter ghost stories, specifically because it was the solstice and it's the time of transition. Plus, everybody was cooped up inside and couldn't get out. And back then, they didn't have TV or internet. And this was a way to gather everybody around the hearth and spend some quality time together getting scared, getting your scare on. <laughs> Special shout out to my beautiful neighbor, Miss Amber Benteen. Good to see you tonight. Um, so I picked out probably one of the spookiest, I thought, ghost story or ghost legends. It's called The Old Portrait. And it's by, now his, his name is spelled H-U-M-E. Would you pronounce that Hume or Humey? What do you think, Danny? Hume. Hume. Hume Nisbet. N-I-S-B-E-T. And now that I've gone over the story and read it aloud a couple of times, I'm real interested to see if this author did any more stories of this nature because this one is really good. Now, I'm going to caution you guys. This has got a lot of old terms that you've probably, or I haven't heard before, and I'm going to have some difficulty probably pronouncing those. <laughs> so 
cut cut a girl some slack also and not a lot of people know this but i'm partially blind in this right eye so um and in muted lighting like this i may make a mistake or two but hopefully that won't matter too much so let's go into the horrific story of the old portrait now let me get rid of this here okay let's begin old-fashioned frames are a hobby of mine i'm always on the prowl amongst the framers and dealers and curiosities for something quaint and unique in picture frames i don't care much for what's inside of them for being a painter it is my fancy to get the frames first and then paint a picture which i think suits their probable history and design in this way, I get some curious and I think some original ideas. One day in December, about a week before Christmas, I picked up a fine but dilapidated specimen of wood carving in a shop near Soho. The gilding had been worn away and three of the corners broken off. Yet, as there was one of the corners still left, I hoped to be able to repair it from the others. As for the canvas inside this frame, it was smothered in dirt and time stains that I could only distinguish it had been very badly painted, likeness of some sort. Some commonplace person daubed in by poor pot-boiling painter to fill the second-hand frame, which his patron may have picked up cheaply as I did after him. But as the frame was all right, I took the spoiled canvas along with it, thinking, hmm, this may come in handy. For the next few days, my hands were full of work, one kind or another. So it was only on Christmas Eve that I found myself at liberty to examine my purchase, which had been lying with face to the wall since I brought it to my studio. Having nothing else to do on this night and not in the mood to go out, I got my picture and frame from the corner and laying them on the table with sponge of basin of water and some soap, I began to wash so that I might see the painting a little better. It was in a terrible mess and I think I used the best part of a packet of soap powder that I had and I had to change the water at least a dozen times for the pattern to begin to show up in the frame. And the portrait within it asserted an awful crudeness. It was a vile drawing, an intense vulgarity. It was the bloated, piggish visage of a publican, clearly, with a plentiful supply of jewelry displayed, as is usual with such masterpieces where the features are not considered of so much importance a strict fealty in the depicting of such articles as watch guard and seals, finger rings and breast pins. These were all there as natural and as hard as reality. The frame though delighted me and the picture satisfied me that I had not cheated the dealer with my price. And I was looking at the monstrosity as a gaslight beat full upon it and wondering how the owner would be pleased with himself as thus depicted. When something about the background attracted my attention, 
a slight marking underneath the thin coating as if the portrait had been painted over some other subject. It was not much certainly yet enough to make me rush over to my cupboard where I kept my spirits of wine and turpentine with which and a plentiful supply of rags I been, began to demolish and ruthlessly in vague hope I might find something worth looking at underneath the painting. A slow process that it was as well and a delicate one so that it was close upon midnight before the gold cable rings and the vermilion visage disappeared and another picture loomed up before me. Interesting, I thought. Then giving it the final wash over, I wiped it dry and set it in a good light on my easel while I filled and lit my pipe and sat down to gaze and think about it. What I had liberated from that vile prison of crude paint, for I did not require to set it up to know that this bungler of the brush had covered and defiled a work as far beyond his comprehension as the clouds are from the caterpillar. The bust and head of a young woman of uncertain age emerged within a gloom of rich accessories painted as only a master hand can paint, who is above asserting his knowledge and who has learnt to cover his technique. It was as perfect and natural in its somber yet quiet dignity as if it had come from the brush of Moroni. A face and a neck perfectly colorless in their pallid whiteness with the shadows so artfully managed that they could not be seen. And for this quality would have delighted the strong-minded Queen Bess. At first I looked and I saw in the center of a vague darkness a dim patch of gray gloomy and drifted into shadow. Then the grayness appeared to grow lighter as I sat from it and leaned back in my chair until the features stole out softly and became clear and definite. While the figure stood out from the background as if tangible, although having washed it, I knew that it had been smoothly painted. An intent face with a delicate nose, well-shaped, although bloodless lips, and eyes like dark caverns without a spark of light within them. The hair loosely about the head and oval cheeks, silky textured jet black hair and lustrous, which hid the upper portion of her brow with the ears and fell straight in definite waves over the left breast, leaving the right portion of the transparent neck exposed. The dress and the background were symphonies of ebony, yet full of subtle coloring and masterly feeling. A dress of rich brocaded velvet with a background that represented vast receding space, wondrously suggestive and awe-inspiring. I noticed that the pallid lips were parted slightly and showed a glimpse of the upper front teeth 
which added to the intent expression of the face. A short upper tip, which curled upward with the underlip full and sensuous, or rather, if color had been in it, it would have been so. It was an entire looking face that I had resurrected on this midnight hour of Christmas Eve in its passive pallidity. It looked as if the blood had been drained from the body and that I was gazing upon an open-eyed corpse. The frame also, I noticed for the first time in its details, appeared to have been disguised with the intention of carrying out the idea of life within death. What I had before looked like scroll work of flowers and fruit were loathsome snake-like worms twined around charnel house bones, which they half covered in a decorative fashion, a hideous design in spite of its exquisite workmanship that made me shudder and I wished that I had left the cleaning to be done by daylight. I am not at all a nervous temperament and would have laughed at anyone who told me that I was afraid and yet there I sat alone with this portrait opposite to me in the solitary studio away from all human contact. For none of the other studios were tenanted this night, and the janitor had gone home on his holiday. I wish that I had spent my evening in a more congenial manner, for in spite of a good fire in the stove and the brilliant gas, that intent face and those haunting eyes were exercising a strange influence upon me. I heard the clocks from different steeples chime out the last hour of the day, one after the other, like echoes taking up the refrain and dying away in the distance. And I sat still and spellbound, looking at that weird picture with my neglected pipe in hand and a strange lassitude creeping over me. It was the eyes which fixed me now with the unfathomable depths and absorbing intensity. They gave out no light, but seemed to draw my soul into them. And with it, my life strength and everything I had energy-wise. I lay inert before them until overpowered. I lost consciousness and dreamt, I think. I thought that frame was still on the easel with the canvas, but the woman had stepped from them and was approaching me with a floating motion, leaving behind her a vault filled with coffins, some of them shut down whilst others lay or stood upright and open, showing the grisly contents of their decaying and strained Ceraments. I could only see her head and shoulders with the somber drapery of the upper portion of the inky wealth of hair fl flowing around. She was with me now, that pallid face touching my face, and those cold, bloodless lips glued to mine with a close, lingering kiss, while soft black hair covered me 
like a cloud and thrilled me though through and through with the delicious thrill that whilst it made me grow faint intoxicated me with delight as i breathed she seemed to absorb it quickly into herself giving me back nothing getting stronger as i was becoming weaker while the warmth of my contact passed into her and made her palpate with vitality and all at once the horror of my approaching death seized upon me and with a frantic effort i flung her from me and started up from my chair dazed for a moment and really uncertain of where i was then consciousness returned and i looked around wildly the gaslight was still blazing brightly while the fire burned ruddy in the stove by the timepiece on the mantel i could see that it was half past 12 the picture and frame were still on the easel only as i looked at them the portrait had changed a hectic flush was on the cheeks while her eyes glittered with life and the sensuous red lips were ripe with a drop of blood still on the nether one in a frenzy of horror i seized my scraping knife and slashed out the vampire picture then tearing and mutilating fragments out as i crammed them into my stove and watched them frizzle with savage delight i still have the frame but i haven't had the courage yet to paint another suitable portrait to put in it the end I hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas story. Let me look back to see if there are any questions. Special shout out to my beautiful daughter-in-law, Miss Brooke Yule Lawrence. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Amber. Um, we I did have a good birthday yesterday. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I know this is a, sh a short show, but. Um, I just wanted to pop on here. I didn't want to skip Monday night. I just wanted to pop on here and do a Christmas ghost story for you. And Brooke, you may want to let Mike listen to the story. It could be fodder for a future movie. Who knows? <laughs> This would be an easy one to shoot. So thanks for tuning in. I will see you guys next Monday night. Until then, you guys have a fabulous week. Kisses from Kentucky, and I will see you much later.